0: That's just the way the world works. All of us have heard this statement or some similar statement before. Predictably, when we're expressing our discontent or sadness or anger over the status quo, someone will chime in with this little statement of realism. And the implication is that we're allowed to feel anger or sadness over the state of things, but that's just how it is. Or, as Kurt Vonnegut would say... So it goes. And we're not the first society to be bound by cultural or political or religious norms. At Jesus' story today, we hear of two folks in particular who seem to feel bound by the religious and or cultural norms of the day. The priest and the Levite are likely not bad people. Jesus doesn't directly or indirectly implicate them as being hypocrites or corrupt There's nothing given to indicate that the priest and the Levite are anything less than law-abiding Jews. Which is also why they must pass up on helping the man injured in the ditch. While we don't hear this from Jesus, certain assumptions can be made about why the two men passed over the ailing man. They could have been on their way to something important, requiring they not make themselves ritually unclean by touching a bodily fluid or a dead body. They could have been unsure about how the man ended up in that state and been concerned about contracting an illness in a time when germ theory was not yet known. They could have feared that the beaten man was merely a trap the robbers had set up in order to attack anyone else who may stop to help. Or they may simply have become numb to seeing yet another victim of the society in which they lived. Either way, these likely religious and law-abiding men who probably loved God just as much as any one of us, passed the ailing man by. They remained ritually clean, physically able, and no poorer by passing on helping this dying man. Or they simply could have been too busy to help. In the 1970s, a study was done at Princeton Seminary in order to study whether some people are just born to be kind and helpful, or whether external factors dictate whether someone is kind or helpful. The study involved two groups of seminarians. One group was asked to go to a certain building and talk about religious jobs. The other group was asked to go to the same building and talk about the story of the Good Samaritan. They then, by random chance, were determined to be in one of three conditions. They either were told that they, A, had plenty of time and were early, B, we're on time but should head over now as not to be late. Or C, we're running late and really needed to skedaddle. Then comes the fun part. The situation was of course rigged, and all participants found a fallen stranger in a narrow alleyway. The stranger pretended to be sick on the ground and in need of help. The catch was that the alleyway was only four feet across. So to not help this guy, you literally had to step over him. And you know what? Most of the seminarians, all of these folks studying to be priests, did step over this guy. Also interesting about this study, those most likely to help were not those who were preaching on the Good Samaritan that morning. Rather, they were the students who were told they were early for their talk. The researchers came to the conclusion that it was not internal conditions or predispositions that caused people to show compassion. Rather, it was those who had the leisure of time. Now, I'm sure these were good men, and they clearly loved God, or they wouldn't be giving up their lives to become priests. Honestly, what they did by hurrying along to make their scheduled meeting was lawful, culturally acceptable, and certainly justifiable— I'm sure they were dressed nicely for their talks. They didn't want to get dirty or too involved or catch something from the sick stranger. And they certainly didn't want to be late. But what Jesus is telling us today is that we're not called to go along with the culture. We're not called to do the acceptable thing or the expected thing or even the lawful thing. We are called to do the merciful thing the kind thing, the loving thing, even when it is radical. Samaritans were not good people in the eyes of the Jews. They were folks who should know the truth about God and instead chose to do their own thing. Culturally, religiously, they were the enemies of the Jewish people. And even when the lawyer knows the answer to Jesus' question about who acted neighborly to the man in the ditch, the Jewish lawyer cannot even bring himself to utter the words, the Samaritan. And yet, the Samaritan, the one who has no reason at all to stop and help a random Jew, is the one to stop and make sure he received aid. As we hear from the prophet Amos today, God is holding out a plumb line among his people. For those of you who are not handy, or for those of you who grew up in the time of bubble or laser levels, a plumb line is simply a string with a weight on the end. Thanks to gravity, the line will be straight. This is especially helpful when building a wall to see when the wall is straight, or in masonry terms, true. So when the prophet Amos says God is holding a plumb line among his people, Amos is saying that God is measuring us, and we will be judged. Our society is building a wall, and each brick of sin builds a wall that isn't straight. It's warped. It's crooked. It's not true. And while we may be good people, while we may individually try to do the right thing when we are asked, we will be judged By the society and the culture in which we live. Anytime we ignore what is right, what is compassionate, what is loving, in order to do what is easy or lawful, or in order to keep our nose clean, or worse, to benefit ourselves at the cost of others, we are helping to build that wall just a little more crooked. Jesus is not calling us to go along with the flow of the world. Jesus is not calling us to throw in the towel and admit, well, that's just the world we live in. Jesus is calling us to fight the tide. Jesus is calling us to naively and foolishly think that we can change the world. And Jesus is calling us to love radically, especially loving those we can't stand, or those we have no reason or desire to help, or those who we wouldn't want to stop if we were dying in a ditch somewhere. To be a Christian is not to keep your head down and do the sensible thing. Now, that doesn't mean I think we should be like the old school prophets and drag around an oxen yoke in order to make a point. But it does mean exercising the little influence we may have in the world. It means showing mercy or kindness when ignoring the plight of others, especially those who we don't find worthy or necessary, could be more convenient It means keeping your seat at the table and working within a system that you find corrupt or upsetting in order to pull the walls of society just a little more plumb. This is not easy or convenient or even very satisfying work sometimes. Most of the time we can feel as though we aren't moving the needle or that it would be more satisfying to write off the whole of society and block it out. But we are not doing this work on our own. God is guiding our steps. He's helping us to choose our words, and he's bringing his kingdom nearer each day. The work of a Christian is not done within the walls of a church. Our work is out in the world. We are called to be in this world, but not of this world. So this week, as you find yourself out in the world, consider how God may be calling you To be just a little bit foolish, a little bit naive, and a little bit radical. And with your mercy, and your kindness, and your love, bring this world just a little bit closer to the kingdom of God.